This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Wednesday, and welcome to the Noon Business Hour. I'm Jim Goodis. It's presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. It is Education Week on the WBBM Noon Business Hour, and we'll look at ways to maximize financial aid for college. But first, you might wonder, why go through the time and expense of getting a college degree? In fact, many experts will tell you it can be a real game-changer over the course of a lifetime. And we're happy to welcome Morton Shapiro, the president of Northwestern University in Evanston, and how much is the value of a college education? I'm sure it depends on who you are, but just generally, what does a, a college degree mean for someone over the course of a lifetime? Well, Jim, thank you for having me on. And you know, I'm an economist who's done a number of these kinds of studies. And we we have a pretty good idea to, how to answer your question about what are the returns. And as you said, it depends on who you are and where you go. But, you know, it's still the case that people with college degrees have unemployment rates less than half of those without. And it's still the case that the economic returns uh, really justify those kinds of investments of resources and of time. Um, This is a generation, Gen Z, as you know, that uh, economists forecast only about half of them are going to earn as much as their parents did. You know, when I grew up as a baby boomer, it was 80 to 90 percent. But, you know, in this world of outsourcing and artificial intelligence and robotics, uh, you know, the best investment most people make is a college degree. Now, there are are different levels of college degrees. I mean, you have uh, community college, junior college, you have the high echelon schools such as yours. Is it just important to find some way to get a post-secondary education of some sort? Or what would be your recommendation? And you're right that there are different returns to different kinds of degrees. But, you know, a lot of people tend to be disparaging about community colleges. They shouldn't be. I mean, it's true that people start community colleges and end up getting a bachelor's degree from a four-year school. You know, it's only about one out of five. But, you know, there's substantial returns to a lot of people to getting an associate's degree. And then as you refer to, you know, you go on to college and many people go on for professional degrees and other graduate degrees. And, you know, each time there's some additional return but I'm not one of those people who, uh, given I know the data, who would say, oh, you can only have to go to Yale or Princeton or Stanford or Northwestern. Uh, for many people, getting any degree and accumulating that human capital really pays off mightily at the, in the long run. Now, we've heard stories of people who never went to college and did very well. You know, some of the prime examples that I think you've mentioned are like Steve Jobs or uh, Mark Zuckerberg. But don't use that as your example, right? Don't say, well, they did it. Why can't I? 
Well, it is the case that there are those famous examples, although a number of them dropped out of Harvard. So it's not exactly like they just went into their garage that they had one and came up with some app or some came up with some product. And I think it is uh, I think it's deceptive when we focus on those rare instances of people who don't go to any college and and go on and become billionaires. I mean, that talk about rounding error. The normal thing is that people go on. We're now about two out of three high school graduates or so go on somewhere in American higher education and a hot, relatively high percentage get some sort of a degree. And those are the ones you focus, focus on. And I would hate that people say, oh, college doesn't matter. And the other thing to say, Jim, is that it's the outcomes of college. It's not just uh, material well-being. It's, it's a lot of things. And we have a lot of evidence that people with college degrees, uh, they contribute more to society in terms of volunteering, um, and they have a greater appreciation of the arts. And so it's not just your paycheck, but even if it were only, Jim, the paycheck, it would easily be justified because the vast majority of Americans investing in a higher education degree will pay the greatest return of any investment they will make in a lifetime. Morton Shapiro, the president of Northwestern University in Evanston. Thanks so much, President Shapiro, for joining us this afternoon. Good grades are only half the battle for college students. The other half is money. And coming up, we'll talk about the financial aid as our education series continues. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. We continue our Education Week series on the WBBM Noon Business Hour and one of the biggest challenges for college students and their parents is money. And let's talk about financial aid with Emma Kerr, the personal finance editor for U.S. News and World Report in Washington. So it's so much involved in just making sure you have the money you need to go to college. Let's just talk about what parents need to be doing and when they need to start doing it. And I would imagine it's as soon as they're at the nursery with the, with the baby. But what are some of the things that we really need to look at in terms of making sure that, you know, we have the money necessary to at least, if nothing else, get our children started in college. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much for having me. So, I mean, the average student these days borrows about $30,000 in student loans. Um, You know, so looking at that, families really need to prepare well in advance. And obviously, a 529 plan and those kinds of saving options from an early age are a great option to save for college. Um, You know, and completing the free application for federal student aid is very important. And that's the application that that opens the doors to grants, loans and and all these kinds of opportunities. But we are seeing a significant decline in families completing that application down about five percent over last year. So seeing fewer high school seniors um, even applying for financial aid. So step one is to apply for that aid, even if you think that you won't qualify for it. Every student should be applying for that financial aid. And then the other critical point is to be very choosy with where you go to college. You know, you need to look for, at a minimum, colleges that will, you know, uh, get you to the point of earnings that are at least a high school graduate's earnings, plus enough to, you know, recoup all of that money you've just invested into college. So it comes down to, you know, finding a college that's going to be very generous with financial aid and finding a college that that it will actually pay off for you. And we're seeing families more and more place an emphasis on, you know, what are my earnings going to be after I graduate? That is becoming the most important factor in that college decision. 
That's Emma Kerr, the personal finance editor at U.S. News and World Report in Washington with some great tips on how to get your children ready for college. Even if you haven't really been saving up, it might be a good time to apply because the number of other students applying is down. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The federal government says inflation accelerated at its fastest pace in 12 years last month. The consumer price index rose 4.2%. Joining us on the McGrath-Lexus business line is Andrew Bush, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Community Futures Trade Commission and economist at andrewbush.com here in Chicago. So, quick question, Andy. How concerned should we be about rising prices? Is it, in fact, a, a suggestion that we might be seeing some worrisome inflation, or is it just the economy kind of just catching up after a wacky year or so with the pandemic? Yeah, so it's a combination of both, right? So the year-over-year comparisons, you know, show a big jump because last year at this time, bad things were happening in the economy as GDP was falling off a cliff and ended up down 31% for that quarter. But um, there's also just, as everybody knows, prices are going up across the board and fast in a lot of different areas, uh, whether it's housing prices or lumber. Anybody try to build a house recently has gotten sticker shock, but also used cars um, with the lack of chips that are out there. And plus, even things like palm oil, which goes in so many different food products, that's up 100 uh, percent, essentially doubling over the last 12 months. So it's really just kind of something, is it, is it too soon to say how concerned we should be, or is this something that we really do need to keep an eye on so that it doesn't uh, get to the point where uh, we've gone from maybe a, a supply and demand or pent-up uh, uh, shopping deal where you know people are just out now feeling a little better about spending money, that sort of thing, or is this something that we really do need to keep a close watch on? We definitely need to keep a close watch on this because um, even though I guess it depends, if you listen to our central bank uh, uh, members, they'll tell you this is temporary and so on. But that doesn't help people who have to go to the grocery store or have to go get their car filled up with gas. I mean, you can tell people it's temporary, but it's really scary when prices go up this fast. So I would say this. Um, let's be a little bit humble in our ability to predict out <laughs> for the future and saying that this is transitory. Let's go, hey, there's some serious uh, choke points here in the economy. Uh, some of it has to do with labor, for sure. Uh, some of it has to do with just the demand for these commodities, copper being one of them. Um, and we really need to do we really do need to keep an eye on us. And where this is going to show up is in interest rates. We're already seeing the 10 year yield go up uh, today, about 10 basis points. I expect that to continue to go higher. And I expect inflation uh, next month to be really high as well. So somewhere in this 4% re- region. And that's going to make people just really concerned about whether or not they can move forward with their plans on things like vacation and so on. That's Andrew Bush, who is the Chief Markets Intelligence Officer at Community Futures Trade Commission and an economist at andrewbush.com here in Chicago. Andy, thanks as always for great perspective on the situation going on on Wall Street and, of course, in the markets and with inflation. Ahead, we'll check the markets and later some ideas on negotiating your child's college tuition. As Education Week continues on the WBBM Noon Business Hour, sponsored by St. Xavier University. This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. 
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Jim Goodis. These are the top stories at 1230. The nationwide average for the price of gasoline takes an upward turn. We continue our Education Week series with a look at how to legitimately negotiate the price of college tuition. Wyoming Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney loses her party leadership position in the House of Representatives. On Wall Street now, the Dow is down 474 points, the S&P 500 down 69, and the Nasdaq is down 299 points. Mostly sunny skies this afternoon. We're heading up to a high of 62, but staying in the 50s by the lake. Right now, under mostly sunny skies, it's 57 at O'Hare. The noon business hour presented by Republic Bank at 1231. House Republicans have stripped Representative Liz Cheney of her leadership role. So what happens now? Cheney was the number three House Republican. She no longer holds that title after a vote to boot her from her role as conference chair. But she does remain in Congress. Her likely replacement, New York's Elise Stefanik, is campaigning hard now for the spot, sending a letter to her colleagues which says, Today I humbly ask to earn your vote for House Republican conference chair to unify our message as a team and win the majority in 2022. Stacey Lynn, CBS News, Capitol Hill. U.S. public health officials are focusing on providing COVID COVID-19 vaccinations for young people. Now that children ages 12 to 15 will be eligible to be vaccinated, public health officials are looking at giving vaccines to younger age groups. We're looking at children from 12 to 9, 9 to 6, 6 to 2, and then 6 months to 2 years. And Dr. Anthony Fauci says in the months ahead, essentially everyone will be eligible. We think by the time we get to the end of this year, that we will have enough information to vaccinate children of any age. Steve Futterman, CBS News. A reminder, Radio.com is now Odyssey. Download the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, and listen to WBBM and all the news, sports, music, and podcasts that move you. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The markets are down right now, and for a look at what's moving Wall Street, we're joined by Bill Stone, Chief Investment Officer at the Glenview Trust Company in Louisville, Kentucky. So, Bill, why are we so much in the red today on Wall Street? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the very outside the inflation numbers we got this morning. Um, they were uh, we were already expecting fairly high inflation in terms of certainly the year-over-year numbers, just because it comparing to the you know really some of the worst of the pandemic, prices were down during that, so we were kind of braced for that, but then. Uh, we got a little added, uh, I, got, I, I don't know what else, like bonus on top of it, uh, though in the wrong direction in terms of, uh, you know, just some kind of eye-watering uh, price increases like used cars and trucks were up 10% in the month. That's not a year-over-year, year, that's the month. Um, airline fares were up a little bit over 10% as well. Maybe that one's not quite as unexpected given, you know, again, kind of the relative uh, to the pandemic levels. So, Bill, how much of this is just as we talked about this hour, the, the fact that people just are had some pent up demand and maybe that's part of the reason or they're feeling better about things or how much of this is really an inflationary concern that we need to really keep an eye on? Well, you just asked the million dollar question that, frankly, I don't think anyone really knows. The, the Federal Reserve, anyway, is continuing to say that it's 
uh, transitory uh, kind of to your point. Well, we've got some demand. It's picked up. We probably not probably we definitely have some supply um, kinks in the supply chain. So it's kind of like I mentioned the used car prices. We know the 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 uh, semiconductor chip shortage has mean meant that they haven't been able to build as many new cars. So again, that kind of flows down to used car prices. So we know there's quite a bit of that in the system. Uh, again, the hard part is to know how much of it you know, is going to last. And, and that's what the markets are struggling with. So what's the best approach here? Uh, how do we approach this the right way so we don't necessarily overreact in terms of, of rising prices, but at the same time, we make sure we, that there is you know some safety net ready in case we do end up into some kind of inflationary cycle here. Yeah, and I think that I, I would say two pieces. One is, you know, probably don't knee-jerk react to these things. Because like I said, I, I honestly believe there's no one who knows for sure that this is some sort of, you know, huge inflation risk. Um, we know the reasons why that it's higher than would be expected. So kind of keep that in mind. I think the second part is when you're thinking about long-term investments, and this is not a bad idea no matter when it is, is to look for companies that have pricing power, right? That's generally good companies. Uh, when you think about companies that can pass along price increases, um, those are the ones that, you know, frankly, like I said, it doesn't even matter if it's an inflationary period. That's typically a good business. Um, I'd also say, you know, one of the areas that, well, that we like that has that benefits from higher yields is really kind of the banking area. Um, if you've kind of shunned that side because it hadn't performed very well for some time, probably good to have at least some exposure there. Uh, those kind of things I think are worth thinking about. What's something to avoid right now? Is there anything in particular to kind of watch out for, or at least be cautious in, in looking at investing in those areas? You know, I guess I'm going to switch over to – it's hard to say there's one – you know, I can't think of a horrible, horrible part of – um, the stock market, maybe the only thing I'd say is be careful of some of the companies or stocks, I'll say, that have, you know, are embedding a lot of you know, future earnings growth uh, in them. So we've seen those really get hit hard um, you know, in this period. Some of the other companies just haven't done quite as poorly. Again, I'd be careful there. I think the second part is just, again, I'll switch over to the bond side of the equation. You know, owning bonds that have a super long maturity, that's where you're exposed to interest rate risk. So if inflation does, in fact, continue to pick up, uh, that's where you get hurt. Bill Stone, the chief investment officer at the Glenview Trust Company in Louisville. Thanks so much for joining us and giving us some great tips as we watch consumer prices rise and today, at least, stock prices fall. Up next, more in our Education Week series. Find out how you can negotiate your child's tuition. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. We continue our Education Week series on the WBBM Noon Business Hour, and it's also Personal Finance Wednesday. College tuition could be the second biggest price you'll ever pay for anything behind buying a home. But could you negotiate and avoid paying so-called sticker price? Well, joining us on the McGrath Lexus business line is Mark Horner, wealth advisor at Fairhaven Wealth Management in Wheaton. So, is that even an option, Mark? Can you negotiate college tuition? So, Jim, it's it's more than an option. It's been it's been done. I've personally experienced it both with my own kids and uh, and helped our clients make this happen. So, this is not a case study. Uh, this can absolutely be done. It's just important to understand. 
the the dynamics around around when to do it and how to do it. So when those when those uh, financial aid offer letters that come along with college acceptance letters come, that when that when those letters arrive, bells should be going off that this is now the time where the tables have turned. And the student or the parents now have the power in their in their hands versus the college or the university because colleges and universities are very motivated once they've accepted a student to convert that student to an admitted student, and that is the time to that is the, absolutely the time to strike. So, how do you negotiate? What are the keys to getting as much off that tuition bill as possible? Yeah, so it, so money is a money is not the only factor in making the right college decision. The overall fit, and so distance from home, and majors offered, and and student body size. There's a whole bunch of factors that go into the that go into the right fit, and so that's really I think what ultimately all of us parents are looking for the best the best fit. So when you've identified that that short list of best fit schools, and let's say you've gotten into you've gotten into three of those, and then your number one your number one choice. Uh, your number one choice is uh, is who you go to first, and I preferred that you do this in person. Definitely not via email or text. And it can be something as simple as, "Look, we're really excited about go- about going to your school, and we are prepared to uh, to to go ahead and accept your offer of admission if you can help us make money less of an issue." And so, put the ball in their court. Colleges and universities have got all sorts of ways to move around money in grants, which is another word for discounts, uh, to drive that cost of tuition down. What we want to see is we want to get that loan number, which is you know, a reality for us all, unfortunately, as low as possible because that's your money, and get that grant money, which is the college and university's money, get that as high as possible. So really putting it back into their, into their court, hanging that carrot out of we are prepared to accept it if you can get us down to either X number or just or just leave it open ended. That that's that's one way to, to ask. Mark, is is there a number that's considered you've done well? I can't imagine there's like a, a fixed number that you're gonna get this much off the tuition, but when it, when do you know you've done a good job in terms of negotiating a tuition? What what is an amount of reduction that is reasonable to expect? So that's a great question, and unfortunately, it's going to vary across the board, both both on the both on the the school that you're talking to, and then the profile of your of your particular student. So if you if you go to a school and you've got a 2.2 grade point average, uh, and um, uh, and it just are not bringing a whole lot to the table. Your power to negotiate is going to be is going to be limited. If if on the other hand you've got a you've got a, a reasonable academic record, and I want to emphasize reasonable. You don't need straight A's. So a reasonable academic record. You're interested in participating in the college campus in in other ways outside of the classroom to contribute to the overall experience at the school. I think parents will be shocked. At, at what universities will be able to do in terms of shaving numbers uh, off of the off of the bill. And as one extreme example, I personally know somebody that went to college completely on a bagpiping scholarship. So if there is if there's bagpiping money out there to, to shave to shave some dollars off of the bill, there's all sorts of pockets of money. You just need to be not afraid to ask. So don't don't be intimidated by the ivy covered walls. Do not be afraid to ask. All right, that's Mark Horner, the wealth advisor at Fairhaven Wealth Management in Wheaton. And uh, if you play the bagpipes, hey, you might get a discount on your college. That would be awesome. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. 
A survey by AAA shows the nationwide average price for a gallon of gasoline is now above $3 a gallon, and it's tied to that pipeline shutdown back east. Let's talk with Phil Flynn, the senior market analyst at Price Group and Fox Business News contributor here in Chicago. So, Phil, you've got this, and then we're just about to head into the summer driving season. It's uh, probably not a great time in terms of filling up your tank for a while. It really isn't, and it's a real danger to the economy right now. You know, here we have the economy struggling to bounce back from the COVID. You know, we're getting ready for the big reopening of the economy, and once again, uh, the high price of gasoline is going to keep people maybe uh, at home, and that's going to cause a problem for a lot of these small businesses that are already having issues with um, uh, employer uh, getting employees back to work. Now, a lot of these businesses are going to have to deal with higher energy costs. So it's really a nightmare for everybody. Phil, this is why they pay you the big bucks. And that is even when the pipeline situation gets fixed, what can we expect going forward in terms of energy prices? I think we're in a very bullish scenario here. I think it's going to be a summer of pain at the gas pumps. And I think what's happening with this pipeline is really unmasking a a, a larger issue with energy investment and infrastructure. Um, I think because of COVID, we underinvested in pipelines and refinery uh, capacity. And now when demand comes back stronger than people thought it would, uh, we're going to be undersupplied. So this pipeline is definitely causing the big spike right now. But even though when the pipeline is fixed, it may come down a bit, I think the high prices are going to be here to stay. Is this indicative of a larger issue in terms of energy infrastructure in this country? It, it, it make no mis- mistake about it. It's, it's about total infrastructure all over. We do need to invest in infrastructure. But more importantly, it's, it's almost like an act of war uh, from these hackers. I mean, this is a very dangerous situation. You know, they took over this oil pipeline today. Who knows? Tomorrow they could take over another oil pipeline, a nuclear power plant. Uh, We really have to stand up and and stop these attacks because it's a real risk to the economy and it's a risk to people's lives. Phil Flynn, the senior market analyst at Price Group and Fox Business News contributor here in Chicago. Phil, always great to get your perspective, even though right now it's kind of troubling news. You'll find past programs and later today a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission.